Fly ball onto the track. At the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field and gone. What a game. What a moment. All right, I am pumped to welcome back onto the show Adam Jones. Adam's joined me a couple of times. Adam, one, thanks for joining me, man. Always, brother. Uh, you know, it's always good to catch up with you. I love your your show and what you do. So uh, it's always good to, uh, to converse. Always appreciate it, man. Hey, I know you work closely still with, with Major League Baseball. You're often involved in a lot of things, and it's currently the offseason. So what have, what have you been up to this offseason? Well, I still work on the board of BAT, so uh, I'm still doing conference calls, still doing emails, making sure that a lot of the former players and uh, former baseball family is being taken care of, especially during the holidays. And right now I'm in Paris for the NBA Paris series. And uh, again, just trying to enjoy this life, see the world, and enjoy these great experiences. Love that, man. So let's talk some baseball, and I want to start with a guy that you know very well. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto signed 12 years, $325 million with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the big pitching signing of the offseason, a former teammate of yours in NPB over in Japan. Adam, my question to you with your unique perspective of him is what can people, fans of baseball, fans of Major League Baseball that might not know a ton about him, Dodger fans, what can people expect from Yamamoto? Well, first off, you're going to get a competitor. And again, I think it's the perfect scenario for him because you look at all the pitchers that have went to the Dodgers and their careers have revamped. You, know, you got Tyler Anderson. He went there and he parlayed himself into a three-year deal. Uh, and there's some other guys. I can't name all of them. But he's going to go to an offense that's going to give him run support. He's going to go to a city that's going to offer him Comfort. There's a massive uh, Japanese community there. So he's also you get to play with and be, and he doesn't have to be the superstar because he has Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, and of course, Shohei Otani. So I think that he's just going to go to a perfect place for him, but he can go and just breeze right into it. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be the number one or the number two. Obviously, Walker Buehler's going to have a lot to say with that. Tyler Glass now also. So I just think he can just ease into it and not have all the expectations on him and, you know, just slowly but surely have a really strong and uh, strong season and strong begin to his major league career. And I'm excited because I just know in the know the competitiveness of him, know how much he, how much work he puts in. And I'm just, as a baseball fan, really excited to see him um, – Don his talents in the major leagues. What's his stuff like? Because he's not a big guy. He's actually a fairly small guy, but he still throws pretty hard from, from you playing oh. behind him. What, what is his stuff like? I mean, I didn't play behind him too much. My defense was definitely not up to par at that time with Japanese <laughs> uh, standards. So they uh, did not have me out there often. But that was the perfect time to play defense because not much offense was had on the other side. But no, it, it's 95, 96. And that plays anywhere. And the thing is about him, as you call him, he is small. He's not a big guy. He's means five nine, soaking wet with 165 pounds. But he gets the extension. He gets the extension just like a guy who is six four, six five. And I think that having the uh, the success of Tanaka, Darvish, Shohei, uh, Kenta Maeda, uh, having the Japanese pitchers who he knows and looks up to, having their success. I think he's just understood and adapted mentally on how to go about major league hitters and the major league life. And then again, he's going to have Shohei who 
is not just a pitcher, but he's a hitter. So he's going to be able to give him firsthand, first account scouting reports, but also do it not just being uh, a team, not just being, you know, someone who a team official works for the team. He's going to be able to do it in a way of culture difference of comfort for your uh for yamamoto so i just think it's again it's the perfect fit for him to have a guy who's even bigger superstar than him so he can just blend right in and and just fit in with the guys and with his personality you're going to see him all over everywhere he's that's just what kind of guy he is he's going to be on mookie betts's shows he's going to come on your show i know he will and again you're going to see mookie betts over in japan he's a smart guy too Love that. Adam, what are you? He's just one of the Dodgers signings so far this offseason. They have done a ton. What are your thoughts on what the Dodgers have done so far? They got Shohei. We, we know all about that contract. Yamamoto. They just signed Teoscar Hernandez. Tyler Glass now. The list goes on and on. And it almost just seems like a lot of the baseball world sitting back watching the Dodgers become a, 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 a bigger juggernaut in, in the league. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm again, you know me, I'm a Padres fan. So it's like, damn, they just they keep loading and loading and loading. Um, but at the same time, everybody has the chance to do it. Um, I think the, it just fits the Dodgers business model the best being Los Angeles to Tokyo. I think just that fits the best unless it was New York. Um, getting glass now, I think was, was, was huge. Because a healthy glass now is one of the best pitchers in baseball. You're getting Walker Bueller back. Don't expect Walker Bueller to pitch 200 innings. And he's coming off Tommy John. I think it was smart by him to not come back last year and push himself. That extra rest, I think, will do him a lot of good long term. Um, And then you get Yamamoto. Obviously, you still have a couple young starters. And again, it's the Dodgers. You never know. You never know who's still in, in, in in their sights. Um, they have a farm system, so they can trade. Corbin Burns is still <laughs> out there, I think maybe available. I would love if the Orioles went to go get him. <laughs> um, but I think Teoscar Hernandez sure is up left field. Yeah. And it, it come him, again, one-year contracts always put a, a, a fire under players yeah. behind. So I think that, you know, he, again, going to a place like that with Hayward, you've seen Hayward's resurgence. Why not? Why can't you see Teoscar doing the same thing? They got the young man Altman in center field. I think, you know, let him again flourish and just, you know, continue to be the Dodgers. They are a great ran organization. Again, at the trade deadline, if they need something, they go get it. So I think on paper, Dodgers right now, I mean, paper and in Vegas, they're the favorites. But again, you still got to you still got to play the game. There's, you know, barring injuries and all that kind of things. Uh, but again, they're, they're just they're stacked. Adam, the biggest contract we've ever seen was signed by Shohei Otani. It's also probably the weirdest, most, you know, unprecedented one we've ever seen as well with 680 million of the 700 million being deferred. So I'll make $2 million a year for the next 10 years and then get all the money after that. I want to talk to you about that. Obviously, former player, former all-star, big leaguer for a long, long time, played across the globe. I've uh, seen a lot of contracts in your day, but probably definitely never one like this. What are your thoughts as a former player when you saw this contract, 680 million, 97% of it is deferred until after this 10 years. What were your thoughts seeing that contract? Well, first off, it's like, okay, what is the tax hit on the luxury tax? You know, what, what are you hitting me on the payroll? And what, they're hitting at 46 million a year, I believe. Yeah. So that's a strong hit. A billion-dollar investment in two Japanese players, 
you're talking about a hundred plus million fans that they just acquired. I think that they're going to recoup that uh, investment quite easily. It's weird how they structured it again to us, but I think as long as it's showed on paper that it's being they're, they're being hit at 46 million and not just two million. I think if it was hit at two million, we'd all go crazy. But it's shown as being hit at 46 million, so people was like, okay, there's the real number. What you're getting paid on the back end, that's none of really like that doesn't really matter. I think the most important thing is what it's showing on um, the the luxury tax, and it's going to hit them. So um, again, it's the Dodgers; they don't care. I, I want to talk to you, your hometown team, the Padres. Last year, they created, I mean, baseball's version of what seemed to be like a super team with all stars and and you know tons of awards everywhere you look, and it just didn't work out. Really, from the very beginning, it didn't work out. I, why? What did you see go wrong with the Padres last year, and what can they do to fix it going forward? I mean. The number one thing that went wrong with them to me is just is hitting hitting with men in scoring position. Defense was great, pitching was great, creating the creation of the opportunity was great. They just didn't get a lot of hits with men in scoring position. Yeah. And that's just part of it. That's you know, people's like, oh, no concentration. Nah, if you played the game, you know it's hard. Yeah. You think the pitcher's just gonna give you something good. Uh, the defense, they they get tighter. I mean, it's just it it's a very very tough thing, and I think that's ultimately what went wrong is, you know, is the hitting with men in scoring position. Then as you know, the last six weeks they were one of the best teams in baseball, but it's a little bit too late. So, um, but that's you know, I'm not going to point fingers and say somebody had a bad year. A lot of guys had really really good years. Um, Manny didn't have the 30 and 100 this year before, but he had a very good year. He's playing these playing banged up. Uh, Bogarts had a strong had a strong start, but you know, uh, Tatis had a good year, Gold Glove, Platinum year. But just hitting with men in scoring position was the was the crutch for him, and you know that's just part uh, that's just part of the game. But I would they created the situation. If you create the situation, I understand how hard it is to actually come through. So um, it's just part of it. Did you enjoy? Hitting there, I, I looking at Juan Soto's numbers on the road were well over was over 300, and at home was 240 or around there. And it just never felt like in San Diego he was able to get it clicking, but on the road he could. I, I just looking at those numbers to me with Juan Soto being one of the best hitters in the game, it's a little bit eye popping. I haven't really dove deep into the numbers of others, but you personally did. Did you like hitting in that ballpark? Oh, man, I absolutely loved hitting there. And, again, I'm from there, so I had my family and friends all in the outfield. So it's a different feeling. Um, you know, and with Soto, maybe he could have felt the, you know, the the added pressure. Um, you know, are you going to sign a contract? Because the fans love him there. He's a great, great person, great fan favorite. And, you know, maybe the pressure of are you going to sign there? You have the Hispanic community there, so they're able to speak and for him to understand from a distance. You may, you know, I know he speaks great English, but sometimes things can get lost in translation, not in Spanish. He understands that completely. So um, I just, you know, it could, it could have been a just, you know, are you going to stay here? Are you going to go? What's going on? And, you know, and it's a lot of different things. And then goes on the road and just like, man, I ain't got to listen to nothing. And let me yeah. just go bang. And, you know, sometimes it's again, it's like that. Uh, again, change of scenery does guys good. I had Jay Carrietta for the first three, four years of his career. And people's like, oh, he just left and went to Chicago and it got better. No, he didn't. He had the same exact nasty, filthy stuff in Baltimore. Yeah. Change the scenery. 
change of just mental. And he became, you know, over those next four or five years, top three pitchers in the game. So sometimes a change of scenery is, is good for guys. And, you know, I want to see what uh, what Soto does in New York because San Diego created the bright lights. I know it's, we're not the biggest market, but we created the bright lights when we traded for him. And now he's going to New York where the lights ain't turned off since uh, <laughs> since probably the, 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 the 20s. So he's going to... Um, He's gonna. He's gonna. I think as a baseball fan, excited to see what he does in New York. Him, Judge, uh, Rizzo, and they got a formidable lineup there. So we, I think we're excited to see what he does. And another team you played for the the Arizona Diamondbacks. We saw them make it to the World Series last year. In fact, it's the last time I saw you standing on the field in Arizona for the yep. World Series. Um, a team that has made some moves this off season, and and really, I I think flown a little bit under the radar because of the big moves the Dodgers are making in the same division. But man, I really like what the Diamondbacks have been able to do with their team this year. Do you think they could be in a position to have a similar sort of run, a a really good team next year and, and put some pressure on some teams? What could we see from the Diamondbacks this year? I 100% love everything that, uh, that they've done over there. Hazen is smart. He's like, look, we got a good team. We got Mar- Marte in his prime. We got Corbin Carroll that looks like he's going to be in his prime for a long time. Got Christian Walker coming back, and he's been – I think he's just underrated superstar to me. Uh, not gotten attention, obviously, because bigger name for his basements, but if you look at his numbers over the last uh, three or four years, two-time gold glover and uh, 30 and 100 a couple years, uh, star to me. You got Gallon, you got Merrill Kelly, and then you go and keep uh, – um, Guerrero Jr. You got Alec Thomas in center field. You got young Lawler coming up to play shortstop. You still got Perdomo. Uh, I think they they are, and they got a good mixture of veterans. They always going to go sign a veteran guy. It was myself in 19. You had Longo last year. Um, I'm sure they're going to go out and, and find somebody. Maybe a Justin Turner could be a good fit. Um, but go get Rodriguez, who's still young, for a very good price. I think what they're doing is smart. Now, again, they can't go spend $325 million to go get Yamamoto but they can go get five pieces to add up to a fourth of that and still compete greatly. Yeah. So I think the Diamondbacks had a fantastic offseason so far. I don't know if they're done or not. They still have a lot of prospects if they wanted to go the trade route, but uh, it's a great place to play. It's a great place because it's a one-stop shop for players. You live there offseason, you live there in spring training, you stay in your home during all season, uh, indoor parking, you ain't got to worry about the heat. So it, it's a great place. And I don't know if they're done, but they have done a terrific job. And I think they are the perfect model for teams that win and you and you have that success coming. It's okay to spend some money and continue to, to uh, go down that path. Absolutely agree. I get a little bit frustrated watching teams, maybe in the eyes of many, overperforming what they expected. And then the team doesn't really build on that where they are. They just kind of either let it ride or, or don't pay to bring in new guys. And it gets a little frustrating as a baseball fan because it's like, well, hey, like take advantage of what you got happening right now. And I feel like the Diamondbacks are doing that. And Adam, another team I get frustrated by is a former team of yours. And I want to talk about them the Orioles, and they actually feel like they're in a better position, a team that could be dominant over the next decade with what they got going on right now, but I just don't feel like they add the starting pitching that they need to. It feels so obvious from the outside. You need a top end of the rotation kind of guy, and you need another arm in that rotation, but they don't seem to be doing it, and for a year and a half now, it's felt like that's the case, and then they get exposed in the playoffs, and I know the young guys didn't have experience, and they couldn't hit, and and it was slower bats, and I understand that, but it just seems so obvious 
that they need an ace of a staff kind of guy. They need to add around this young core, and they're not doing it. So, Adam, Baltimore Orioles, what's going on there, and what do they need to do? Well, first off, what uh, Mike Elias has done in this team is uh, unbelievable. Um, when I left the organization, oof, oof. It was some, uh, <laughs> it was some, it was, it was, it was tough throughout the organization and, uh, what he's done. And, and again, there's a lot of guys that are still there in the organization with Cedric Mullins, D.O. Hall, who are draft picks, um, and Grayson Rodriguez, who are draft picks from, uh, from when I was there. Um, I think it's time. Um, and I think, you know, baseball fans in Baltimore understand that they've understood that when he came in, there's going to be a rebuild. There's going to be years of a hundred losses and you're not going to like it. But in the fans understood that they're like, okay, well, you're going to be seeing what, what you guys did at Houston. We're going to see what we can do here. Um, and they've done that. I think what Elias has done is fulfilled every, every uh, goal so far. Obviously the championship is the most important, but now he's created so much capital with, with, uh, with the prospects that he has. Um, but again, I think the fans want to see a big name. Uh, the fans want to see a cease. They want to see a snail or Montgomery. Now, I wouldn't say guaranteed they'll get a snail or Montgomery. Those are free agent pitchers. But they want to see um, just a front-line rotation guy. And that was always one thing I always said is, like, just give me an ace. Again, we had pitchers who competed on a daily basis, and I love every starter that I've ever had. I went out there and grinded every for whoever it is. Um, but it, I, once I just wanted a bona fide ace. And that just, I think, moves everybody down into a slot that they're supposed to be in. Yeah. And, you know, it's no slight on the person. You know, some, again, everybody wants to consider himself an ace, and that's exactly how you're supposed to approach it. The reality of it is there's only a handful, a handful of aces out there. And I think they have a very, very good opportunity to go get one or two um, both ways, obviously via free agency or through the trade deadline. I mean, not trade, but via trade. And I just think that the fans understand that, okay, this is our time. We got great prospects. We got great prospects coming back through the pipeline. But also, right now, we're poised to win. And again, you know that the Yankees are going to do something. You know the Red Sox are going to do something. You know that uh, the Blue Jays are going to do something. But I still don't think that they're as good. They have to go spin to be as good, in my opinion, because the natural talent that comes through the organization, the, Yan the the Orioles have, I think, everybody beat in the division. So I think it's time to just add that extra piece that just puts you over the top and makes you, uh, you know, a, a, not just a, a good team, but a bona fide contender. And that's the way they're headed. Again, are they going to make a move? I don't know. Um, but I, just, I but I, what I do know is that in-house, they have a lot of confidence in the guys. Bradish had a hell of a year. Can he repeat? Kramer had a hell of a year. Can he repeat? You get a healthy John Means coming off Tommy John. He threw some innings at the at the end of the year. Um, I think they're going to compete, and I think they're going to be great. Um, but can you add another piece to make them better? Always can. Always. Yeah, I think, Adam, I, I think that's where my frustration comes from is, is seeing how good the team is. And, and look, I, everything you said at the beginning, I completely agree with. And I don't want it to seem, you know, like it's no slight to what they've built. They were the number one seed in the sure. American League. And that, you know, Mike Elias came over and has done an incredible job. And it just feels like it, it's, it is time, like you said. And a team that, you know, I'll always, I, 
I will root for a close to my hometown team. I loved going up to Camden Yards as a kid, and I loved uh, taking in games at that ballpark. And when the Orioles are good, it is so much fun to be at Camden Yards and see all that orange and black pile into the stadium. And uh, it just feels like they are a piece or two away pitching-wise from being, uh, again, number one seed in the American League. You can't argue with that but an even more juggernaut in, in the American League in, in the future. So there are pieces out there. I'll ask you, from the, outside, uh, from the outside looking in, who would you like to see the Orioles sign or trade for before this season gets started? And let's again, let's not forget they signed a 30-year lease, so that's very important, yeah. knowing that they're going to be there. Um, outside looking in, uh, obviously front-of-the-line starter, uh, to ease it to just ease everybody obviously dylan cease i think because you can get him for the for you have two years of him dude yeah. because he i think his next year is two years so again through arbitration you can factor in a number free agency that's a completely different number you never know what that number is so for him you can buy his services for two years uh, maybe sign him to an extension i don't know that part but you can project his numbers uh corbin burns you're gonna have to give up the number through arbitration the biggest stage and um but those are two when it comes to the arms those are the guys that i really think of um and unless you want to go trade i think there's there's a couple arms in seattle he's depoto looks very aggressive up there i wouldn't mind getting logan uh what's logan the the hard throwing righty logan gilbert Ooh, ooh, hey that's that guy's got big league (laughs) stuff um so i think there's a lot of guys via trade through different organizations I don't know how many guys through free agency uh, they're willing to spend. Yep. Snell, you see, is being dragged along. I mean, he had a fantastic year last year. Um, so I don't know what what he what his uh, future is going to be. Same thing with uh, Montgomery. Uh, he might go back to to Saint to uh, Texas. That's a great place for him. A barbecue place said they give him lifetime barbecue. Hey. <laughs> That, that that works for some people, so <laughs> it might work for him. Adam, uh, last one for you. Another big storyline of the offseason, as it always is. Uh, Hall of Fame voting is just around the corner. And I got a good one for you here, a question that I want to hear your answer on. Four-time gold glover out in center yourself. One of my favorite players growing up. I was an Andrew Jones fan and a Chipper Jones fan. Do you think... This is the year that Andrew Jones gets into the Hall of Fame. I hope so. Um, I mean, he was – it's Griffey and then it was him. Yeah. Of the generation. Of, you talking about – then, then it comes Torrey Hunter. You know, like Jim Edmonds is not not even on that level. You got 10 gold gloves. That means you – that that's not easy to win. I don't care what you say. And now again, a lot of people get gold gloves. You know, it's easier to win one than it was. And you say offense was the back then, not back then. Center fielders were, were, there's a lot of good center fielders back then. And he got 10 of them. He got 400 plus home runs. Just save it. I get that the last five years of his career, he was a journeyman and went here. Once he went to LA, I don't care about all that. They say the requirements is domination of 10 years. And what he did, he dominated while in Atlanta period, period is what it is. Um, the last five years. So what? Um, he was a serviceable hitter, pinch hitter, uh, DH. He plays some right field a little bit, but he dominated for a long time. And again, he's one of my favorite center fielders. I still get called Andrew all the damn time. So uh, <laughs> that'd be great. And like, yeah, I'm him. I'm, a, I'm finally going to start saying, yeah, that's me. If, uh, if he gets into the hall of fame, but him and Sheffield to me, um, 
those, those are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, like, what are we, what are we doing? Again, I don't have the vote. Um, I don't have the, uh, you know, the ill will or feelings towards some of these players. Cause I know that some of these guys, you know, now it's a, in some instances, a personality. Yeah. And you know, how'd you, how you treat me, how you treated me kind of, uh, hall now in some ways, but these guys between the lines, they did what they had to do. Yeah. They did what they had to do and and they were great at it. Now, did he want to buy you a coffee? Hell no. That's not his job. His job was to be great between the lines and be there for his teammates. And, you know, Andrew Jones did it. Sheffield did it. And a, and a lot of other guys did it. So um, I hope those two <clears throat> really get in. Yeah, me too, man. I, I think I, I think a big part of this is if you ask 100 people to name the top two defensive center fielders of all time, 100 of them are going to put Andrew Jones in that list. And I mean, it's just, you got to. And, and I think that holds a lot of weight. And then you look at it, he hit over 400 home runs and it's like, what, what, are we, what the hell are we doing? Like, come on, this guy's a Hall of Famer. So what are we doing? That's, you know, what, what that. But again, uh, I think people go on what they seen last. But no, you, it, the domination of 10 years. Is is where it's going because they're gonna if you're gonna make a case, they're making a case for Chase Utley. And you know, Utley's peak years where they had five to seven peak years. Yeah. Fantastic. But then, you know, you got all the injuries, all that kind of stuff. The game's hard. But it's if you're gonna consider that, this dude did it for 10. That's the requirement. Yeah. It's 10 years of domination. Adam, always a pleasure having you on, my friend, uh, talking some baseball. We're not far. It's getting close. It's already January. We're a couple months away from baseball happening. So always a pleasure, my friend, and I'm sure I'll see you soon. All right, just wanted to thank Adam Jones again for joining me. I love that guy. Love having him on Flipping Bats. I hope everybody always enjoys listening to him. Really cool perspective on a lot of different things. Played a lot of years in Major League Baseball, played overseas and works closely with Major League Baseball these days and is at all the big events. So always love bringing him on and talking some baseball. And today, talking Yamamoto, a guy that he played with, talking the Dodgers, Padres, D-backs, Orioles, uh, but always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. And make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple or Spotify. You can watch on Spotify as well. Also, you can watch everything on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod. There, we're also on all social media as well. So check us out everywhere. But until next time, my friends, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.